Hello and welcome to Voice of Change. In this podcast, we break down the big issues in climate and sustainability. While support for action is increasing, climate change is a wicked problem that is overly complicated and the way forward not always clear. This podcast aims to give voice to those who can lead the way. In an era of distrust, scepticism and fake news, I bring you the experts and present you information, facts and interesting ideas with the odd dash of politics to spice it all up. This is Voice of Change and I am your host, Sophie Taylor-Price. In today's episode, we blend the fun and the serious, wine. The Australian wine industry is worth at least $2 billion to the Australian economy and it is the lifeblood of many regional areas thanks to the tourism dollar. More importantly, I bloody love a good South Australian Shiraz. And visiting vineyards and wine-growing regions is one of the ways that I love to explore Australia. However, as we'll be learning today, the wine industry is the canary in the coal mine when it comes to the effects of climate on the Australian agricultural industry. It is already having to confront the reality of a changing climate. Grape production is highly dependent on climate for quality and composition, volume and economic viability. The characteristics that make our favourite tipple our favourite are vulnerable to the effects of a changing climate. The varieties and regions that we love will inevitably change, if they're not changing already. Part of the equation is that volume and quality of grapes are highly dependent on the availability and quality of water. So drought threatens the viability of many an Australian grape grower. However, the industry is also incredibly resilient and innovative and is leading the way in terms of adapting to our changing climate. Speaking to us today is Marty Longbottom, a multi-generational farmer from South Australia and manager of the sustainable wine movement in Australia. Marty, welcome to the show. Thanks. Hi, Sophie. Look, maybe a great way to get this episode started is if you're able to tell us a little bit about your story and why the wine industry is so important to you personally. Sure. Um, I guess to start with, um, my family, as you said, are multi-generational farmers. My dad uh, is a farmer. My grandfather before him was a farmer. And I spent my early years on the family farm in Padthway in South Australia. My first job in the wine industry, though, was in the early 1990s. And during that time, there was huge expansion in, of the wine industry here in Australia. And it was really exciting times. I helped my family establish their first vineyard on the family farm. And in those first couple of years, I helped plant, train, weed and prune hundreds of acres of vineyard in that region. Um, At the time, though, I saw a lot of opportunities to do more. And after the first couple of years, I decided to take myself off to university. And at the mature age of 21, I started a degree in (laughs) agriculture with with, with a major in viticulture. Um, So so during that degree, I was was at uni for four years and I used to come home every holiday time and continue to work in the vineyard. Um, But by the time I guess I finished four years later, because of the exciting times that the industry was in, there were so many jobs available for people like me. Anyone with a tertiary education in viticulture could, was snapped up really quickly. We all had jobs for, before we left university. Um, I went on to do a couple of different technical roles. Then I was drawn back into the university system a few years later. So I started doing my master's and then I, I guess, found my love of research. I started a PhD and ended up doing a fair bit of teaching at the university as well. Now, by the time I finished that, so we're talking about the early 2000s now, um, the industry had changed a lot, had gone into decline and I couldn't get a job here in Australia. So I took myself off to America. When I returned in 2008, 
this was my first real, I guess, exposure to what was climate change. We experienced this really extended heat wave right at vintage time. Mm. And yeah, it really heightened my awareness to what was happening with climate. Um, it happened again in 2009. And by the time the 2010 heat wave occurred, I was well entrenched in my first project assessing the risk of corporate vineyard assets to climate change. So yeah, that's, I guess, how I ended up in the role that I am now. That's a, a fascinating journey. And I think in telling that, you also touch on, uh, I guess, the importance of the the wine industry to Australia. Are you able to provide us a little bit of information about the extent to which the wine industry is important to the Australian economy? Yeah, the wine industry is actually the fifth largest agricultural export industry in Australia. Um, last year, we harvested almost 2 million tonnes of wine grapes across Australia, and that was worth about $6.3 billion in wine sales. So, um, the wine industry covers more than 60 regions across Australia. It directly supports the businesses that provide the goods and services for grape growing, wine production, wine-related tourism, um, and this is mostly in regional Australia. Um, indirectly, the wine industry also contributes to the businesses that support the employees working in the wine industry. And I think in all, the wine industry is estimated to contribute more than $45 billion to the Australian economy. So, yeah, it's pretty important. So you call the wine industry uh, agriculture's canary in the coal mine. Just why is wine so vulnerable to climate change and what does it mean for the broader agricultural industry as a whole? Yeah, growing wine grapes is a bit different to many other agricultural crops because the composition of grapes has such an influence on the style of wine that can be made. And what I mean by that is that the grapes need to have a particular composition of sugar, acid, colour and texture characteristics to make a particular style. And grape composition is primarily influenced by the environment that the, the grapes and the grape vines are grown in. So this is why Australian wine regions were chosen to grow grapes because our experience in other parts of the world has told us that the environment's right, the temperature's right, the rainfall, the sunshine mm. hours, the soils, etc. they're all right for us to grow grapes. But small changes in temperature or water availability or sun exposure can have measurable impacts on grape composition and ultimately the potential style of wine that we can make from those grapes. So to make a wine of a particular style, you need to have the right ingredients. Um, now we can do a lot in the winery to tinker with the wine, but ultimately if you change the ingredients, you also change the wine style. Mm. Um, the good thing is we've been adapting to a changing climate for a long time and we have lots of tools in the shed to help us both in the vineyard and in the winery to adapt. Look, and that's a fantastic segue uh, to a piece of research that I came across recently and that comes from, I'm probably going to get the pronunciation wrong, but the Giesenheim University, uh, which recently conducted a survey of more than 1,700 experts in the wine industry from 45 different countries. And what they found in that research was that 92% of small wineries are reporting that they've already experienced the effects of climate change, including um, decreased or volatile yields, drought stress, reduced harvest windows, and 45% also reported that the sensory characteristics have changed. Is this a reflection of what impacts we're already seeing in the Australian market and the challenges faced by Australian growers? 
Yeah, it does. I don't think we've done any similar kind of study, but I think from my interactions with industry, we do know that the vast majority of our industry accepts that climate change is here and we are experiencing it in a number of different ways. So, Marty, from a consumer perspective, I'm standing in a bottle shop, I'm trying to make a decision, is a big brand bad and is organic the answer? Yeah, no, big is definitely not bad. In fact, the bigger wine companies have some of the best sustainability credentials of them all. The big guys have very sophisticated processes in place to ensure that they do the right things. Um, In general, companies that export wine also, they tend to have the better credentials because there's such uh, international consumer expectation and pressure for sustainable products. Now, that's not to say that local businesses don't also do it well. You might just have to look a little bit harder to find the information that you're after to make that sustainable choice. Um, Getting back to the wine selection, though, if you can, try and do your research before you get to the bottle shop. Now, uh, as my friends know, I am a lover of wine, especially a South Australian Shiraz, which I'm sure you'll be pleased to hear. Uh, As the everyday lover of wine, what does this mean to me and the wines that I enjoy? Yeah. Right now, if we're doing our jobs well, you won't see any difference at all in the wines you're drinking. But I think as consumers, we all need to sit back and just appreciate the amount of activity that's probably going on behind the scenes to make sure that you have the wine that you're expecting to drink when you go and purchase a bottle of wine from the shelf. Growers and winemakers are highly attuned to their impacts on the environment. And many of them have been measuring and monitoring their resource use, their impacts on the environment and innovating for many years, working towards a sustainable system. Australia's wine industry is thriving. What is the industry doing to respond to the impacts of what is already being experienced today? And how are they preparing for the future? Yeah, as an industry, we accept the reality of climate change because we are experiencing it. Our contribution to climate change as an industry is really small. We produce probably less than half of 1% of Australia's greenhouse gas emissions. What this means is that our efforts to mitigate those emissions on our grape and wine or in our grape and wine businesses, they're probably not likely to have a major impact on the climate system. But I think we do appreciate that we have a leadership role in mitigating climate change. One of the things we have been doing for more than 10 years now is we have a national sustainability program for the grape and wine sector. It's a voluntary program. It covers about a quarter of Australia's wine grape vineyards and a quarter of the national crush. And the members of the program every year, they report to us a set of standard business metrics around their production and resource use. So, for example, their water use, their energy use and their fertiliser use. And as well as that, they also complete a self-assessment of their practices across environmental, social and economic areas. Now, what this enables them to do is they can assess their own performance year on year but they also benchmark their performance against their peers. So they're constantly um, measuring, monitoring, and then able to um, adjust their practices and go through that cycle of continuous improvement. And, And this is the real beauty of this, that not only do they do that, but this enables them to identify where those opportunities are for improvement. Um, I guess some of the members choose to go on to be independently certified. So there is a certification attached to the program. And part of that process is developing a sustainability action plan. So those who've gone through that process map out a pathway for their ongoing improvement in their vineyards and wineries. And we've seen a lot of successes with growers and winemakers have gone down that path. 
So in terms of preparing for the future, are there many vineyards who are, are thinking, geez, we, we might not be able to uh, produce the, the wine that we want to produce in, in the areas that we currently are? Are they looking at um, expanding their geographies um, in, in order to um, prepare for future climate change? Um, what sort of long-term planning are vineyards doing? Yeah, that's certainly one um, action some wine companies have taken. There's been a few wine companies who have uh, expanded their holdings down into Tasmania, obviously looking for a cooler site to grow grapes. And as much as anything, it's about providing diversity within their company so that if some regions are too hot or don't have access to water, they're just, they've got other regions to go to to source their grapes. Well, it might be an unfair portrayal, the agriculture industry isn't exactly known for being enlightened about climate. In your role in the sustainability program, what have you learned about communicating with industry and how different styles can get them on board? Yeah. A few years ago, we delivered an extension program across the wine industry, and that program had a focus on climate change mitigation. Um, Over a three-year program, we rolled out a lot of extension materials across the different wine regions. And with that, we reached more than a thousand growers and winemakers face-to-face across Australia. So when we first started out, we thought really carefully about the language we used when we were talking about climate change. And we actually even avoided talking directly about climate change. We started using other language. And one of the main things that we used to talk about was um, talking about growing grapes and wine in a new climate. And I'm not sure if we can directly attribute the the language change, but what we did find that towards the end of the program, we surveyed those that we'd spoken to over the last couple of years, and more than 90% of them told us that they were concerned about the impacts of climate change on their business. And then a lot of them also told us that they'd already taken steps to change their practices to reduce their emissions because they understand that it would also improve their business performance. And I think this is where we all need to get to. We have everything to gain by taking steps towards mitigating climate change. Every time we make a change, no matter how small, we also have a positive impact on our bottom line and this is good for everyone. So tell me, in a nutshell, what does make a sustainable wine? (laughs) If you're thinking about what to select off the shelf, for everyday drinking, I would say drink Australian because most Australian, <laughs> that, that's for your everyday drinking because most Australian grape and wine producers are making sustainable choices. So making those choices around how they manage water, energy and fertiliser use, how they manage their soils, um, how they minimise their waste production and how they dispose of their wastes. Um, if you wanted to be sure those have made a commitment to that continuous improvement of their practices, they're members of Sustainable Wine Growing Australia. And if you wanted to check them before you get to the bottle shop, there's an online register of those members as well. Um, and on that online re- register, you can also see those ones who've been through that third party certification that I've talked about before. And I mean, the other element there is is also that if you're buying local wine, you're reducing the carbon miles of that, that bottle in terms of um, the carbon cost of getting it to your dinner table. Um, so I think that's a, that's another reason to support Australian wine. Um, <laughs> right. I'm not saying don't ever drink international wines, but I say primarily for every day, drink Australian and use the international ones for special occasions. 
Given that water is the most material resource, what is the industry doing from a water-intensive perspective? Wine grape growers are especially efficient with their use of water. We've had a long history of research into using water efficiently. Um, more, almost 100% of Australian grape growers are using drip irrigation, which is incredibly efficient. And this is, really reflects a change in our industry over the last 30 years, going from what was not unusual to see flood irrigated vineyards to then sprinkler irrigated vineyards and now drip irrigation. So that's been a widespread change across our industry. Further to that, there's been lots of other um, initiatives that people have started using. Um, there are a number of vineyards that uh, compost their soils for enhanced water retention in the soils. And then there are other vineyards that um, apply mulch across their whole vineyards. There are lots of different things that you know vineyards especially are doing to conserve water. So one of the other challenges that seems to be driven by changes in climate is a shortening in the harvesting window. And to the non-wine growing person in this conversation, my understanding is that um, the grapes are becoming, they're ripening quicker and the sugar content is developing quicker, which is um, creating challenges for the harvesting period. Are you able to talk us through that challenge and what it means to grape growers and the quality of the wine that we experience at the end of the process. Yeah, you're exactly right. We call it vintage compression. So there's a couple of things happening here. Um, with the increasing temperature, we're getting earlier bud bursts. So that's ha happening earlier in the season. And we've also got a shortening of the actual se season itself. So harvest is happening earlier. So which means the ultimate result is we've got a compression of the season and it does create problems for grape growers and it also creates problems for winemakers. For grape growers, it means where traditionally we would have seen white varieties and red varieties um, ripening at different times during the season. The white ones usually ripen earlier than the red ones. But what we've seen in the last 10 to 15 years is that the varieties seem to all be ripening at once. So it makes it really difficult from the vineyard because the vineyard manager needs to uh, work out the logistics around how to harvest and getting crews of people together to harvest as quickly as possible. Even with machine harvesting, there's only so many uh, kilometres of vine row that you can get over in a short period of time. So what perhaps might have been a, a two and a half month harvest window, for some people that's gone down to about six weeks. So what happens then in the winery is that because everything's ripening at once, they get to a bottleneck situation in the winery where everything's trying to arrive at the winery they don't have the capacity um, to get the grapes through the winery and yet it causes all sorts of logistical problems for them as well so short of investing in a lot of capital equipment to speed up that process it's actually quite challenging so the challenge for a grape grower is to try and work out processes that we can spread that harvest out again some of the work that's happening uh, over at Sardi here in Adelaide is looking at different timing of pruning to try and spread out that harvest window or ripening window. So final question for today, Marty. Uh, based on today's conversation, what we've taken away is that, you know, the changes that are being experienced are putting pressure and creating challenges for um, the Australian wine industry in terms of protecting the the, the wines that we love and, and making sure that those, those wines uh, endure into the future. What gives you hope and optimism that we can save our wines and, and address this challenge in the future? 
Yeah, for me, it's really the people that motivate me or the things that motivate me and give me optimism are actually the growers and winemakers themselves. Last week, I was out on the road. I gave six presentations to different groups of growers and winemakers across six different regions. Now, for the most part, I was talking to them about the highlights of their regional results from the Sustainable Wine Growing Australia program. And I was talking to them about where their strengths were and also their areas to focus on and improve. But what usually happens with those workshop um, events is that right towards the end of them, you start to see kind of the, the stars in a few of their eyes, and it, but it usually happens after everyone's left. I never get tired of talking to those ones that hang around right at the end. They haven't said a word the whole time you've been there. They haven't interacted in any of the discussions, but they wait around until everybody's gone. And once they're there though, and they've got you talking, they could sit there and talk all day about the really cool things that they're doing. This week alone, I heard about a winemaker who has gone totally off grid, another winemaker who designed his own heat exchange unit to reduce energy use in the winery, and a grower asking the really difficult question about whether organic is really sustainable. Look, thank you so much for joining us on the show, Marty. (laughs) The industry is Obviously, so lucky to have you um, helping the the industry understand and respond to the challenges of a, a changing climate. Uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I've given people a few teasers of this episode, and I swear there has been more interest in the impacts of climate on wine than any other topics I'm proposing. So uh, thank you for sharing with us today and helping us to understand how our favourite tipple might be affected in the future. Uh, And I very much look forward to seeing you in person when I visit the regions of South Australia in the near future. Excellent. Thank you, Sophie. And I can't wait to see you in Pad the Way. <laughs> Thanks. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Voice of Change. A reminder that the views of everyone on this show are their own and not necessarily representative of the organisations they work for. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, please like and subscribe. And if you have any suggestions about the show, please feel free to reach out to me on my website, sophietaylorprice.com, or on Instagram or Twitter. I'm taking a short break, but look forward to breaking down the big issues again with you in 2020. Until then, bye for now and see you on the flip side.